Welcome back to Be Right, sponsored by the USGA. I'm Alex Myers, and as always, I'm joined by Stephen Hennessy, Christopher Powers. Uh, we'll be joined a little later by one of our star guests, Rick Gaiman, a data scientist, a frequent contributor to Golf Digest and CBS Sports. He'll be joining us in a bit. Of course, this is a huge week, probably the biggest week of the year. We've been and we've been waiting an extra what six seven months for it. Masters week is here. We've also got a very special guest, Xander Shoffley. Uh, not only one of the top players on the PGA Tour, but obviously one of the favorites to win the Masters. And yes, it is Masters week. It is a huge week for us. We, we are super excited. Of course, we've had an extra seven months of waiting time to get to this November date. So plenty of picks coming up with that. But we do want to start with first, the Houston Open. Uh, Another week, another bitter, bitter disappointment for the boys. Uh, we were all on Sam Burns, who, of course, had the 54-hole lead. Um, I guess on one respect, it's good that he didn't draw it out for us on Sunday. I mean, he just kind of, I hate to say it, shit the bed right off the bat. Uh, I know I joked. I, I came out to my car. I had shit all over the door. <laughs> I couldn't even open it. Uh, and, it, you know, it was just a, it just was a sign of things to come that day. I mean, you know, it was a nice trip to Costco. You come out, you got all the stuff and you see your car covered in shit. And then, um, you know, lo and behold, you check the scores. And and uh, before the coverage even comes on, your guys out, out shot himself out of the, uh, the mix. So unfortunately, guys, Sam Burns, I, I hate to say it, but we, we've all hit some great bets this year. But our big, big long shots scotty scheffler going back to the the mm. amex um matthew wolf at, uh in detroit right and now um who we just- i had alex i had alex norton yeah. in minnesota he was like one back right right but this is another but, one that we've talked I mean, about we're before. talking about we're talking about 800 to i was gonna make right. 800 to thousand plus payouts here and of course they they just can't come through i don't get it i i, I what's the point we've talked about this before this is another guy who we had another chance to capitalize on him at a hundred and he had gotten down to like the favorite, I think at the Safeway. Now he goes back to a hundred. We try and capitalize. We come this close and, you know, next time we have a chance like this at on Burns, a hundred to one, I'm not sure. Uh, right. But it, it's, it sucks not to, to get the payout on on his first win. Yeah. But you know, if we're waiting, you know, for the masters to be our big payout, then that's fine too. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's good to know that what we're doing is, you know, we're putting ourselves in a position to win. That's all you could really do. You know, place the perfect bet. <laughs> to be like real golf. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's true. And, and Steve and I hit on Morikawa at the PGA. CP hit on Bryson at the U.S. Open. So we are hitting major championship bets. That's true. That being said, though, Steve, we're probably not going to see an 80-plus, 100-to-1-plus guy win the Masters. Um, so you, you're going to have to bet maybe a little more cap to, uh, to get a big hit. Um, I have a bet that I already have placed. I'll get to that in a little bit. But, but again, uh, Steve, anything else you want to talk about the Houston? I mean, first of all, and we're going to talk about both these guys, I'm sure. But, I mean, Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka look fantastic, especially over the weekend. Um, I, I wrote it on Saturday after, you know, Dustin's comments. You know, he's not exactly the most verbose guy. Uh, but he even said, oh, I kind of feel like uh, how I did when I was uh, playing really well a couple months ago. He made, he made it like that was so long ago. I mean, this guy <laughs> now, five of his last six tournaments, he's finished in the top two. Um, and, and the other one, he finished sixth at, at Wingfoot. So he looks like there's no rust, nothing. He's all systems go. And then Brooks, 
the tough season we've talked about him so much. Um, and then, you know, he comes back and he shoots a pair of 65s over the weekend. So I guess we're feeling pretty good about those guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, DJ looked great. I'm kind of surprised that Carlos Ortiz held both of them off, to be honest. Uh, Matthew Wiley, our guest last week, actually plugged Ortiz on the podcast. So I hope he put some money on him. But uh, yeah, I mean, DJ coming into the Masters too, he's got four really good finishes in his, in his last appearances coming in. So We'll talk about him in a bit. Um, and Kepka too, an interesting number. So, um, you know, both of those guys are intriguing. And, and DJ's a co-favorite with Bryson at a lot of books, nine and a half to one. So that just speaks to, you know, the level of player, the expectation on DJ to finally get his uh, his master's win. Yeah, that, that, actually, that since we are talking about them, I did get a bet in already with a buddy who we usually make some master's bets together. I told him, I'm a, I go, look, Brooks Kepka, if he does anything this week, he's moving up. He was 20 to one. We jumped on him. He's already down to 16 to one, 15 to one in some places. So I was saying that the week before. So I actually feel, feel pretty sharp about this. Of course, he'll never win, but it's a good <laughs> bet nonetheless. And then you mentioned DJ. He made similar movement. He, he was at about 14 to one level because, of course, the COVID, he had the back to back WDs. Now he's back up to 10 to one, you mentioned. And meanwhile, Bryson, we haven't seen him he slides back up from eight to 10. So now you do have kind of that co-favorite uh, dynamic there, which, which is fair. I mean, I, I think uh, it's tough to really pick between the two. I mean, Bryson obviously wins, you know, the U S open, but DJ again, is finishing the top two every time. So um, yeah, a, a lot to talk about with that. And yeah, shout out to uh, Wiley who was on our, our program last week. Too. And uh, yeah. And, and day. Yeah. You know, again, so it, Guys, don't just listen to us. Listen to our guests. There's a reason why we bring them on the show. Especially our guests. They're, they're going to be a little exactly. sharper. Exactly. If you want to, they all are. Right. Listen to our guests even slightly more than us. Yeah. Um, you know, again, Wiley, today we got Rick Gaiman coming on in a little bit. So listen to those guys. They are very, very sharp. All right, Steve, before we get into the Masters, uh, we got a word from our new sponsor, the USGA. I, I love it. Absolutely. It's really an exciting sweepstakes that the USGA has put together and we're pumped to be a part of it. Uh, they're taking the historic U.S. Open Championship trophy on the road, traveling across the country to some of the U.S. Open's most historic courses. And we're teaming up with golf nomad Matt Cardis, one of the, the great guys in the golf industry and a great follow on Instagram. You got to follow him at golf in your state, all one word. Uh, he's chronicled a lot of his journeys, uh, taking the the trophy uh, from Wingfoot side of uh, this year's U.S. Open to Torrey Pines, which will host next year. And he got to visit all of these historic uh, U.S. Open courses. And of course, it's a little bittersweet that the trophy won't be visiting an event near you due to all the restrictions going on. But we're making it up to you by giving you an opportunity to enter for your chance to win a round at one of these eight U.S. Open courses that Matt uh, will be visiting on his trip. So that's Wingfoot, Oakmont, Pinehurst. Aaron Hills, Cherry Hills, Olympic Club, Pebble Beach, and Torrey Pines. So head to the website the USGA has put together. It's usopen.com slash trophy tour, all one word, usopen.com slash trophy tour for more details. And there's information there, how to enter. It's pretty easy. You just click on a button, follow the instructions on how to enter, and you can play one of these historic courses, just like Matt. There's some great footage on that website of Matt. Uh, being at Oakmont, getting to play it, some great insider spots uh, from the U.S. Open Trophy Tour. 
again, leading up to the 2021 U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. So, uh, and there's going to be some great footage from Torrey. Uh, our Hallie Ledbetter got a chance to meet up with Matt on his last stop. So no purchase necessary. Sweepstakes and 11.59 p.m. Eastern on December 17th. And it's open to all legal residents of the U.S. and Washington, D.C. who are at least 18 years of age. Again, uh, usopen.com slash trophy tour and sweepstakes begins uh, on October 27th. So it's open now. And the sweepstakes consists of eight drawings and one of which will be, uh, you know, getting to visit one of these historic golf courses. Uh, again, those are the U.S. Open venues you know and love, Wingfoot, Oakmont, Pinehurst, number two, which I just recently had a chance to play, uh, Aaron Hills, Cherry Hills, Olympic Club in San Francisco, Pebble Beach, and Torrey Pines. So go there, enter. It's an exciting opportunity to be able to play one of these historic venues. There's some great insider uh, shots of Matt at Oakmont um, at that historic club with all of its rich history, all of its U.S. Opens that it's hosted it's, it's really cool. So again, usopen.com slash trophy tour. Check it out. Very cool. Yeah, we, we had the US Open trophy come through our office, if you recall, yes. at uh, World Trade Center. It was pretty nice. Got to hold we it. All got, our, got cool. to put our hands on that thing. One guy who has not yet put his hands on a major trophy yet, but he has come so, so close. You like that segue? That was that was pretty genius. Uh, Xander Shoffley, one, one of the great players, one of the great, not only young players, but obviously great players on tour, um, and not only, you know, is he one of the top 10 players in the world, but he always seems to play his best in the biggest four events. Um, Chris and I had the pleasure of talking to Xander, what, last week, a couple weeks ago, we previewed the Masters. We talked to him a little about, about gambling. As you can imagine, he's a little reticent to talk about uh, golf gambling, even though it is becoming, uh, you know, more prevalent out there uh, with the telecasts and everything. But he did give us some great uh side gambling stories, either with, uh, you know, cash games or uh, with card games. So uh, please have a listen to our chat with Xander Shoffley. And again, he, he also talked about, he had the lead at the Masters last year on the back nine. Uh, he, he talked a little about what that feeling was like. So a uh, pretty cool guest. Thanks again to Xander for joining us and uh, have a listen to our chat with Xander Shoffley. All right, we're excited to welcome to the show PGA Tour star Xander Shoffley. Xander, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So first off, I mean, we just got to ask 2020, it's been, been pretty wild. Um, you've played very well throughout, but uh, how different has this season been for you? Very different. You know, I think um, quarantine wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't, you know, uh, anticipated. So it was, it was a strange time for everyone. I think for golfers in particular, it was, you know, for some worse than others, I think I was fortunate enough to come out of quarantine sort of playing almost better golf than pre COVID. So um, I was able to sort of use the break uh, in a good way and, and come back sort of playing in, in, in better form versus prior. What now I, I got to ask, you know, you've had so many high finishes lately um, not to bring up a sore subject, but it's been a while for, for you since a win um, what, what's up with all the, the runner-ups and the close calls? Uh, is it just a matter of, you know, it's going to happen at some point? Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, um, I am playing, I am playing really good golf and, uh, it's easy to sort of chalk it up to sort of, you, you kind of just need certain things to go your way in, in essence. Um, a couple bounces here, a couple putts there. Um, but 
golf is kind of a weird one. I it definitely, you know, my team is trying to calm me down each week. Uh, I'm pretty disappointed. You know, I'll always get the phone. If my dad's not out there, I always get the phone call from saying, you know, how are you feeling? That's the first thing he'll say when he, when I, when I talk to him, like, how's the mood, how you feeling? So um, I don't want to get used to not winning. Um, it, not winning was what I was used to sort of leading into professional golf. I never won on the corn Ferry or, you know, any tournaments really prior uh, until, you know, since college didn't really win much in college anyways. And, my rookie year sort of set the bar very high with, with two wins kind of right out of the get-go. So um, it is funny when you sort of try and chase wins and talk about wins, how you realize how hard it is to win. So trying to go back to sort of my own, you know, happy-go-lucky mindset to where I wasn't – obviously I'm trying to do everything I can to prepare and win tournaments, but, you know, just doing the right things at the right times is what wins golf tournaments. And, uh, you know, I've made some mistakes uh, – when, when the moment, you know, arised and, you know, I'm trying to make sure I don't make those mistakes again. Xander, um, you shoot six under, I think at, at Shadow Creek. Do you, mm-hmm. when, when that happens, do you feel like what, what else do I have to do? You know, I have to shoot eight under like Kokrak did. I mean, we've seen it with DJ at the PGA. He had a nice lead and, you know, he shot two under on Sunday and he ends up losing by three. Is it just like, mm-hmm. is there a feeling of like, this is almost impossible sometimes? Yeah. You know, it, it's, Golf is thanks to Tiger Woods. It's become very tight knit. You know, leaderboards are stuffed. Everyone's practicing, training, doing all the right things. Um, doesn't matter how hard or how easy a course is playing. Guys show up, and so, you know, my cat and I talked about you know six, seven under being enough. Obviously, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> I had the opportunity to shoot you know eight under as well. So, those moments are those, those losses are easier to swallow. You know, there's other losses where had the opportunity and I sort of threw it in the trash or I didn't capitalize when I should have didn't make the right decision so those are the ones that really you know upset me and that sort of keep me awake at night versus someone shoots 64 in the final round man they deserve to win and and Jason did that and uh, I enjoyed playing with him he beat me straight up I, I got nothing to say or or you know I can't do anything about it he just he was a better guy and you know I got to tip my hat off to him um, speaking of, you know, keeping you up at night, you've had six top sixes in majors. This is a, our, this is going to be our master's preview pod. So we do want to get to that, but do you feel like, man, I really should have picked one of those off or do you feel like if I just keep putting myself in position, it's, it's going to happen for me? at a Yeah. Moment? I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in sort of, uh, you know, keep knocking on the door to you break it down. You know, I, I, I spoke before sort of, I'm, I've always been a slow learner. I, I didn't win in college. I won you know, two or three tournaments in college as at a junior level, I didn't win tournaments, you know, on the corn Ferry tour, I didn't win tournaments. I've never really, uh, my success or, you know, rise in the rankings has never been because of big wins. It's been because of consistency. So I'm, I've always been sort of, I'm in the class of 2011 and I've, my dad always told me, you know, statistically and everything else, I've always been sort of a year to two years behind the learning curve in terms of winning and, and trying to show up, uh, at the right time. And, and so um, I just think I just got to keep, you know, keep knocking on the door and, and, and keep my head down. And like I said, sort of keep that attitude that got me those two wins my rookie year, because I was just happy to be there. I was, you know, playing really good golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't shy away from the big moment and, you know, I was able to close up twice. So um, there's something to be said about, you know, what makes me play my best golf. You know, we, we hear so much about how hard it is to close the door. We see it on a 54 lead. I know most of your wins have, have been of the come from behind variety. And, you know, Justin Thomas uh, was a guy, he, he looked like someone who 
well, maybe he's going to be the next Tiger in terms of being able to close the door almost every time. But now he he's let it get away from him three times in a row. Just how hard is it uh, having the lead going into his Sunday uh, versus maybe, you know, being a couple shots back? Yeah, it's it's scores just seem to keep going lower and lower. So <laughs> it, it's sort of, you know, a three shot lead. It depends, you know, if you're at a U.S. Open, you have a three shot lead. That's sort of you'd rather have that kind of lead because it's playing so tough. You just have to be smart and play like smart golf versus you have a three shot lead, you know, somewhere else. You know, guys that tee off two hours before you are going to be tied with you by the time you even peg it. So it's sort of the mentality has changed to where everyone's just chasing up the leaderboard. And, you know, a three shot lead's not even, you know, it's, it's no longer safe unless you're on like a very difficult property where, you know, two over is a good score. So um, it's definitely, yeah, I think winning is, is, has become harder. Uh, you can kind of tell why no one's really dominating. Obviously, Dustin, as of late, has shown his dominance in golf. Um, but for me on a personal level, I think, you know, from Vegas, my big takeaway on a positive note, which we always try to do was sort of, I had a, a two round lead because I, you know, I, had a, I was leading by three shots after two rounds and I was playing really good golf and I kind of proved to myself, I am capable of pulling away from a pack if I do stay disciplined and play really good golf, which is something I've never done before in my career. So that was, you know, that's, that's kind of my takeaway from that entire week and, and sort of golf in the last two months. You mentioned the U S open, obviously there's another one where you were in the thick of it. And then, you know, Bryson ends up kind of running away with it on Sunday, but, but at one point, it, you know, it was getting pretty, pretty tight. Were you surprised with just how much he was able to separate himself down, down the stretch uh, at that yeah. event? You know, not really just because that course was sort of set up perfectly for, they made, whenever you make sort of fairways impossible to hit, the mm. average fairway hit was 35%. Mm. The advantage goes straight into his court. He's hitting it 25, 30 yards further, further than everyone else. So mm. just hit your driver as far as you can off the tee. It sort of turns, uh, turns not, not turns back to time, but it sort of reverses the clock in terms of, it, it turns into a bomb and gouge game. It was a U.S. Open, and U.S. Opens cl like classically are sort of you have to hit in the fairway, you have to be smart. But that U.S. Open was different, or that U.S. Open was different because it was 35% of fairways were the number. So even if you're a, a short knocker or only fly 270, it's still hard to hit the fairway even if you fly 270. So might as well hit it 330 in the air, and you're 60 yards in the rough ahead of the next guy, and you're going to have a better chance of positioning yourself near the green 60 yards closer to it. So I think – it kind of this, the, the, the style of the course ended up, you know, favoring his style of golf a lot. And it's just, you know, hats off to him for sort of realizing that and, and, and juicing up his driver and, and making sure that he was hitting it as far as possible leading in. Obviously we got the masters coming up and, you know, I wonder, you seem like the guy who of the top 10 golfers is usually under the radar, but in terms of, Odds makers, you actually get a lot of respect. Uh, I don't know if, if you know what your odds are. I think you're somewhere around 14 to one right now. So you're you're kind of just below the Bryson, Dustin, um, Rory group there. Um, is that something that you you notice at all? That what odds you are going in, and and do you take that as respect that that kind of the odds makers are are putting you up there in that echelon? Um, no, uh, per. I don't really look, you know, I don't, we, we're not really supposed to gamble out here on tour. I'm not okay. really aware. Um, you telling me that, yeah, 14 to one. I mean, that's, those are nice odds, obviously. Um, I just think 
it's just, it's a, you know, kudos to consistent golf. You know, I haven't really won a tournament and my odds keep going up. So um, it's sort of a golf is weird. You know what I mean? Golf is, it's a game of losers and I, I keep losing by a little and my odds go up. So I don't really know how to explain it, but um, no, I don't really, you know, look at that too much. Obviously you just said you guys are, you know, gambling is discouraged. Maybe, maybe when you're playing, but you ever, you're a card player. Do you ever bet on any other sports? Have you, ever, you know, were you were just in Vegas. Did you get to any tables or anything like that? No, I have when I went with buddies, seemingly too distracting to me. I have, um, I did lose a fair amount uh, on the President's Cup plane, uh, playing gin. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't, if you look at all golfers, we all have the sort of gambling gene. It's uh-huh. just sort of, in our DNA, just if you look at sort of what we do for a living, we're literally, you know, banking on ourselves to be successful um, in a game of losses. So um, I think we all sort of all golfers love gambling and, you know, I won't, I won't shy away from any bets, but yeah, in terms of betting on golf, it's other than myself. Yeah, not really. Just to go back to the U S open, obviously Bryson was with Wolf in the final group. We've seen Colin Morikawa win a major already. You're still a young guy. Do, do these guys like winning already? Do they make you feel like kind of old already? Like you're a veteran? I actually played with Colin and Victor Hovland. Um, recently, I played with Matt Wolf a bunch recently as well. And so, you know, I did, you know, I just turned 27 and I did feel like the, the geezer of the group um, being, you know, four years older than both of them. And I just think it, it just really makes me think of Tiger Woods. You know, those are, I'm a product of him those boys that are, you know, 22, 23 winning, like it's nothing. Those are just products of tiger. He keeps pushing the age younger and younger. And, um, he just, you know, I, I give him all the credit. Who are the big uh, gin players that you were losing at the president's cup to? Uh, Patrick, Patrick Cantlay is, is really? very good at gin. He's played a lot more hands than I have. Um, he's very, uh, very disciplined when it comes to playing gin. And, and when you, when you play um, a practice round, do you feel like you like to have a few dollars on the line? Is that something you do? And, and, and if you do, do you have like certain guys who you do it with normally? Yeah. Pat and I, Patrick Cantley actually, whether it was cause I owed him a bunch, but we, we, we do play a lot. Uh, we kind of play a nine hole, at least a nine hole match every week. And um, we both enjoy, you know, playing, playing for, playing for a certain amount uh, on, you know, either Monday, Tuesday, or if we have programs on Wednesday, we can't, but Monday or Tuesday. And, you know, it's nothing that's going to hurt any of us, but in terms of just, we, we both feel, we haven't talked about it, but I personally feel like it really does prepare me for the tournament. You know, I, I'm putting pressure situations on a Tuesday that I wouldn't see until Thursday. So I think we do value each other's competition a lot as well as friendship. And it's kind of fun. You know, every week I look forward to playing, playing my nine hole match against them um, at whatever course we show up at. I know you're, you're here on behalf of your uh, sponsor, Highland. Want to tell us a little about what, what you're doing with them? Yeah, so uh, I guess long story short, Highland and, and I, we, we sort of linked up. They actually, for the first time ever, I've never even really heard of this, but they, they reached out to, to both myself and my father. And um, their, their, their big push last year was sort of X factors. And mm-hmm. so when they, when, they came, when they presented the idea to me, and my agent did, it was sort of, you know, you know, I thought I was like, oh, X factors. Like, is it because my name starts with an X? And, you know, I was like, this, okay. And so the, the more we started, you know, conversing and talking about things, they sort of are their X factor in their business. You know, they try to provide um, as much information 
and uh, efficiency and, and to make sure their clients are, you know, sort of digitally, they're basically, they're, right now, their big push is to commit uh, to becoming, you know, digitally transform their clientele as well as automate processes. And um, when you sort of apply that to me, I'm not really, you know, golf isn't very technological, but Highland's values are sort of honesty and integrity. And if I like think about, you know, the most important person in my life, it's sort of my dad, his sort of two pillars, you know, it's a bit of a coincidence, but his two pillars for me growing up was sort of honesty and integrity. And so when Highland, you know, presented that, it was very easy for me to sign up with them because I was like, this is basically like, this is a no brainer. You know, this sponsor of mine sees eye to eye with everything that I do and everything that I grew up on. And they asked my dad to be a part of the sponsorship as well, which, you know, at first I was like, man, I got to sit and do zoom calls with my dad right now. <laughs> like we're on the range grinding it out every day. I was like, the last thing I want to do is do more, more work with him. But you know, it, it is really special. And I think, you know, Highland wouldn't have, you know, signed me without my dad because he's been my X factor. He's sort of been that intangible, this thing lingering around my team that has helped, helped me, you know, succeed and, and kind of sit here and talk to you today. Speaking of grinding away, what, uh, what's your next two weeks going to look like before the masters? How, how much are you practicing? Are you going to play any full rounds? When are you going to get to Augusta kind of walk us through that whole process? Yeah. Um, currently, you know, the, the bag's sitting next to me, it's been sitting there. Um, I, I got home. I typically like to take, you know, two to four days off, um, Augusta will probably, you know, cut that down a little bit. I'll probably start practicing tomorrow or Friday. Um, Augusta, I will get there Sunday night to do testing and then kind of use Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in preparation. But for the most part, you know, I think the most tired I was uh, after the U.S. Open, I got home. I just didn't want to golf for, you know, six days. I, was, I literally sat there and my buddies were texting me saying, hey, let's go golf. Normally I'm like, hey, absolutely. But I was so drained and you know, I, I had a little bit of, you know, a little bit of time off and I'm definitely gearing up for, you know, my last event of the year. What, you know, how special is it obviously to, to get to play this year? Uh, it looked like it was up in the air for a while if this would even happen. Uh, but then also, you know, it was just last year. I know it seems like a decade ago that you were in that hunt with so many great players down the stretch. And obviously Tiger came out on top. What, looking back on that day, you know, what, what do you remember most about that day? Yeah, I mean, from from a tournament standpoint, I just remember congratulating him on the last hole, him embracing his kid, just the the the, the wave of people, you know, 10, 15 rows deep. It was sort of I was able to experience what I've seen on TV for the last 25 years. You know what I mean? Um, and all the highlight reels. I was basically a, a part of his highlight reel, just sitting there watching him right. soak up his 15th major. So. I remember that from a tournament standpoint, from a personal standpoint, I just remember me sitting there on the 13th tee thinking, Oh, I'm tied for the lead in the, you know, on Sunday in the masters. And I ship my drive straight right into the trees. So um, two, two very different thought processes, uh, unfortunately um, one better than the other, but yeah, I, I know I, I, it is, it is funny to think of that moment, but I, I do think of that moment a lot in terms of trying to remember to stay in the moment and kind of shot by shot, just, breaking it down, making it simple and making sure that, you know, if I ever get that chance again, that I'm going to do the right thing. Very cool. Um, just, you know, obviously I know you have supreme confidence in your abilities of the top guys. Who, do you, who would you make the favorite excluding yourself? Who do you think deserves to be the favorite going into Augusta? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what the odds are. Um, I'm sure you guys are very aware of them. Yeah. You know, I'd say the biggest wild card right now would probably be Bryson, just with his distance gain. Will he be able to still have the feel around the greens with the putter, with the wedge, all that? You know, you can hit your 400-yard drive. Can you still wedge it close? Um, if he's able to, then he's going to look, you know, make Augusta look like a pitch and putt, which is, mm -hmm. I'm sure, not what they want. Um, right. In terms of, you know, I think Rory is always just a threat. He's starting to, to putt a little bit better. Um, it is a drawer's golf course. He loves to draw the golf ball. I'd say Rory's always sort of at Augusta. Um, he wants it more than anyone else to sort of complete his, his slam. And, um, you know, I, I'd say that he, besides myself, I'd have to, you know, he's always up there as a, as a favorite, no doubt. Perfect. Well, Xander, yeah, appreciate your time. And we'd love to see you get uh, the first major as well. You're knocking on the door. You're very, very close. We appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Good luck at, at Augusta. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks again to Xander Shoffley for joining us. Obviously, we wish him well this week, especially if any of us end up betting on him. Our huge Masters Preview podcast continues here with our next guest, Rick Gaiman. Uh, he is a data scientist and founder of rickrungood.com. He's also a Golf Digest contributor weekly for his DFS picks and our expert picks column, in addition to contributing to CBS Sports' podcast and digital coverage. Wow, that was a great intro you wrote, Steve. Uh, not that we, I mean, of course we all know this about Rick, but I'm like, I like seeing it out there. Rick, there's so much, you do so much. You, you're all over the place. Uh, we're glad to have you here. Um, but first, before we kick it to you first, I do want to ask Steve a little about Augusta National in November. This is obviously the first time the Masters played, uh, you know, played in the season, well, at a non-April date, really. So Steve, what, what do we know about, we know so much about this course, but what do we know about this course at this time of the year? Yeah, I mean, there's not much we could tell you about Augusta National that people don't already know. You know, every hole, you know how it's going to play normally. But like you said, it's in the fall. So, you know, most people are probably going to be tired of hearing this uh, come Wednesday. I'm kind of tired already of hearing about it. But it, it's true. You know, I think so. I think there's a couple things. Um, the temperature, first of all, let's, let's talk about that. It's actually going to be pretty similar to what you see in April. So, you know, the low in the morning might be a little lower than um, what we normally see. So, you know, uh, low 60s, right around 60 degrees in the morning, and then it'll get up to 70s, mid 70s. So um, in that aspect, that's not too different. What is going to be different is uh, the forecast as it's predicted now, we're going to get a lot of rain at Augusta um, Tuesday through Thursday, it looks like, and even into the weekend. So, um, you know, the thing to remember is Augusta has this sub air system that's really good at taking away the moisture uh, out of the fairways and greens. But um, with the amount of rain that is expected, I think it will play a little less firm uh, than usual, especially the fairways. The greens will be, you know, pretty perfect. Um, so nothing too dissimilar there. They're going to be rolling as fast as, as any course that we see. Um, but it, it's the fairways. So I think a little a little extra boost to uh, the longer hitters, um, which Augusta always has anyway. But um, that's something that I'm looking at. Uh, I think, you know, the stats that I'm looking at, I'm looking at Fanshare Sports's uh, important stats and ownership projections, make sure and check the forecast, you know, Wednesday too. So we have a little more clarity. The weather could change pretty quickly in this area of the country. But so I'm going to put a little more emphasis on strokes gain 
off the tee. Uh, definitely a lot on approach. Ball striking is always key. Um, par five scoring, you know, with the four par fives at Augusta, um, that that's always key to score well. And also around the green, always gets a bump at Augusta. Birdies are better game. Three putt avoidance. Uh, those are the stats that I use when creating a model at uh, fantasynational.com. So, Rick, do you agree with all of that? And from what you've kind of been digesting from the industry and, you know, what you're seeing from the forecast, are those kind of the important stats you're looking at? Yeah, cer- certainly fair. Uh, you know, the anecdotes that come out of potentially a wind change or longer conditions is obviously it's beneficial to the bombers as it always is. Now, I, I kind of take it as there's there's two different types of bombers. There's the guys that carry it very far and there's the guys that kind of hit it low and, and let it run. Uh, no surprise that Bryson's a big carry guy, leads the tour in, in, in driving distance. If you just focus on carry Rory's up there, you know, Tony Finau's up there, as opposed to some of the guys who like to hit a little bit lower and let it run out, not as big of an advantage this week. But uh, yeah, I, I do something similar where I, I've compared the last 12 years of Masters history uh, to every single PGA Tour stat. Uh, for that year and uh, driving distance uh, was the most important stat followed by birdie or better. And in fact, there's only one other course on the PGA tour where driving distance, it was actually more correlated to success. So I'm certainly on board with the model that you laid out, Steve. Wow. That is really interesting. All right. So, so Bryson is going to win. That's it. It's a done deal. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> I mean, this is what we're hearing here. I mean, that, that is some stat there. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Um, no, okay. We do want to talk about Bryson. We do want to talk about all the favorites right now. Um, I guess, uh, Chris, we haven't heard from you yet. Hopefully your audio is uh, all hooked up now. And by the way, are we all mastered up? We're all mastered up, right? Yeah, Chris. Rick, I don't know if Rick is. No, mine's just like a purple floral thing. <laughs> all right. That's, that's I'm easy mastered enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, actually, I mean, I joke about Bryson winning and of course he is the favorite or co-favorite, but I will say, 2007 was the first Masters I attended as a fan, and it was freezing and rainy all week. And who won that Masters? Zach Johnson. So uh, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. Of course, that was the week he was 12 under on the par fives with famously laying up every single time. Maybe that, you know, the wet conditions, he was able to stick the wedges closer than he normally would be. But uh, just saying, just throwing it out there for everybody. It's it's definitely not a foregone conclusion, but uh, anyway. All right, Chris, of the top guys, you have Dustin, Bryson at 10 to 1. You have Rory, 12 to 1. Um, I believe uh, JT, 14. Brooks now, I mentioned he's moved back from 20 up to 16. Xander, our, our guest, our special guest this week, uh, also in that 14 to 16 range. Of those favorite guys, is there someone that's jumping out at, at for any of you guys? Um, Bryson's too short. Obviously I can't believe I had him. I think it was 25 to one at Wingfoot. That is like, you know, never, never going to happen again. Now he's down to nine. I could see him winning by 10 and you know, us just kicking back and watching it. I'm not going to bet it. I'm not going to root for it either. Uh, yeah. DJ just seems too short for, uh, this is going to sound harsh, but a guy who just can't seem to close in a major besides that one time at Oakmont, I just don't have any faith in him closing it out. That's one I am rooting for. I would love to see Dustin finally get number two, but I can't back it at nine to one. I'm pretty scared of Rom and JT this week. I know they're, I don't want to say they're coming in under the radar, but it kind of feels that way. I know they were, they both just almost won the Zozo, but <laughs> it seems like a Brooks and DJ kind of a uh, week after, after what we saw in Houston. So Rom and JT definitely scare me. Rory, uh, no thanks. Um, 
Xander, no thanks. Same thing with DJ. Kind of can't really hasn't really shown the ability to uh, close a major out quite yet, and he's getting priced like he has in the past. We we talked about that before, Myers. Uh, I am debating Brooks because he's seventeen to one, and I, I think he's playing just as good uh, as DJ based off of last week, and uh, has a pretty decent record in the majors. So if I had to back someone up top there, it would be Brooks. I think what's kind of important with Bryson um, to look at is betting the majors and the art of betting the majors. You could have got Bryson uh, at 28, 30 to one, you know, months ago. And it's heartbreaking for me because I had a ticket um, on Bryson to win the masters at 28 to one before April. And the, the book that I use canceled out that bet, which is <laughs> devastating. I got my money back, which I was a little happy about at the time, but now everyone else is posting their, you know, 28, 30 to one, numbers on Bryson and you know now that's terrible that's absolutely terrible I, what, I agree. What, what odds did you have him again 28 to 1 um and he was even yeah. higher at some points you know before he yeah, won that's not even that crazy I mean that's 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 messed up man that's a little bit yeah. a little bit but you know it's all about finding value going forward um but you know I mentioned that because that's kind of the art of you know looking for value you know longer term uh so nine to yeah. one you know it's, it's tough. He's obviously the favorite for good reason. Um, I think what's going to be interesting is his approach shots. Um, you know, we've seen him struggle a bit with that before he won it at the U S open. Um, you know, he couldn't really get his irons figured out totally and consistently. So, uh, you know, that'll be interesting this week. I think his short game too. Um, you know, we saw him play so well around the greens at wing foot. That was kind of like, why he won, I think, you know, he was third in strokes gain off the tee for the week, but it was really the around the green game that, that got him in, uh, you know, putting, he's been so good putting wise, uh, 10th last season, uh, strokes gain putting, uh, but Myers, you had an interesting stat on Bryson, uh, at Augusta, he's really struggled historically. So, you know, it's a matter of whether his, you know, shorter term gains there kind of translate to success at Augusta. So before I talk about the other guys, I just want to kick it to Rick for his thoughts on, on Bryson. Cause that's, you know, what everyone wants to know, is this going to be a runaway victory for Bryson or uh, you know, are you looking elsewhere on the board? So I, I like one guy's uh, value a bit better of the top guys, but I mean, what Bryson is going to try to do, try to open up the range of outcomes. Uh, you know, he could win this by six shots. He could miss the cut, right? Like he, he's going to really try to take a run at this in a ways that, that nobody has ever seen before the way he's going to try to play 13 and cut that thing off. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's probably going to be hitting wedge or nine iron into the majority of, of these greens, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, I, I do think, and, and Steve, you made a great point. Like when we, when we've seen the initial transformation of Bryson, the thing that he struggled with is all these half wedge, three quarter flip shots that now he's stuck with because he's hitting it. He's hitting it too far. He can't hit a full wedge into these greens because he's now hit it too far. And normally I'd be like, yo, he's in big trouble. If he's going to try to hit a flip wedge into firm, fast Augusta national greens, like that's troublesome. A little rain in the forecast mm -hmm. might be a little wet, might be a little bit more receptive. If he's able to just kind of um, throw one in there from 75 yards out, get it to stop a little bit more than normal. Like I'm, I'm scared. He might, he might break it, right? Like it's, it's that kind of, it's a huge range of outcomes for him, but what he's trying to do, I think he's proving is working and it could be, it could be really ugly this week. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, and, you know, before we get to your guy that you like out of the favorites with value, I'll, I'll go to 
my guy that I, I think I'm going to bet on. Um, he's like 10 and a half to one, 11 and one, wherever you look. But number one on my model is John Rahm. Uh, I think he's coming in a little under the radar, but like I said, first in my model. And, you know, I think that's because he's second strokes gained part five, uh, third in strokes gained off the tee over the last 50 rounds, first in greens and regulations gained. Uh, these are all stats, fantasynational.com and second in bogeys avoided. He's given himself so many chances. Uh, the, the putting, I think, is the interesting factor for him. Uh, he's 40th in this field, strokes gained putting over the last 50 rounds. So, you know, that's a little uh, troublesome for me. But, you know, in everything else, he, he grades out really well. The approach number is also 31st on the last 50 rounds. So, um, yeah, I think just overall, I think him and Xander are at the top of my model, everything that I'm valuing. So I'm kind of debating those guys and, and Kepka too, because of the value, like, like Christopher said. So Rick, what do you think? Who out of those favorites do you like the most? I mean, the answer here, gentlemen, it's, it's Justin Thomas. He's the guy. I don't know what's taking him <laughs> so long. Like, okay, so let's, let's be very clear here. This number's drifted a hair over the last couple of weeks because DJ has now gone ham and Xander's gone nuts and, Dust, and uh, you know, John Rahm has won and, and Bryson's lurking. Uh, Justin Thomas won eight starts ago. Right. He won a WGC event eight starts ago. He was third at the tour championship without the strokes, the shadow leaderboard, baby. He finished T2 at the Zozo championship. And here's the thing. So I, I diced this up on, on rickrungood.com. Strokes gained since the restart. Justin Thomas, number one in the field on approach, number one in, a, in the field around the greens, which, by the way, you saw what can happen in Houston last week when you get some of these shaved areas down mm. around the greens, these closely mown areas, how difficult it is to get up and down. JT is a guy who hits it far, hits his irons beautifully. The around the green game is stellar. He wins, right? That matters. He wins golf tournaments. Uh, it's it's JT for me, boys. Interesting. Yeah. It you know, what's so crazy is you can really make a case for almost any of these guys. I mean, of course. Rory McIlroy's first uh, tour around the course, he noted how soft it's playing. Um, and, and you know, immediately you think, well, that, that favors him. And then you mentioned JT. And John Rahm's a guy who I literally bet on every year to win the Masters. And I'm going to – I probably will keep betting him until he wins. I mean, he's, he's going to win one of these days. So um, it, it, it's, it's incredible the, the talent that is at the top – uh, with all those guys. All right. If we go into, by the way, Bryson, I mean, we should just point out for people who haven't seen it, the latest video of him swinging out of his shoes um, on the range. And if you haven't been to the new range and where the press building is at Augusta, the press building is like, it looks like it's 500 yards out there. And, and you have such a great view from the press building of the range of guys hitting. Bryson looks like he could hit the press building. I mean, that's how far he's hitting the ball. It, it's, it's insane. Um, and also we got a little lowdown just now from Joel Beal on the grounds. They do have the same food at Augusta national this year. Not, even though there's no patrons there just for the media, they have the full spread. Everything's going. So bad job by us not being there. It'd be a heck of a week to, to be there, get out there and see some golf. But we're here, we're making bets and we're going to move on to the next tier of guys. Um, th you know, these are the guys who are, are more in that uh, 20 or so to one range. Uh, you know, Patrick Cantley recently, a recent winner. He's still sitting there at 25 to one. Kideki Matsuyama coming off a, a close call in Houston. I know, Steve, you got excited about that. 
Uh, of these next guys, is Steve, I'll start with you. Is a Hideki a guy that you're looking at, or is there someone else in that next tier that's caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, Hideki's course history here is good too. So, uh, you know, tough to argue with that. His around the greens and uh, putting, you know, has been historically his bugaboo. So, um, you know, that's a, a case against him. I'm looking at uh, Terrell Hatton. You know, no no one's really playing as well as him other than DJ. Uh, he has three wins in his past 16 tournaments, and they were big boy tournaments too, the BMW PGA, Arnold Palmer, Turkish Airlines. So, uh, you know, he's ninth in the world uh, right now. And, you know, I think what's kind of interesting, and the tour junkies guys pointed this out, his historical numbers at Augusta National are bad. So you kind of have to look past that. He's lost over 15 strokes total in his three appearances at Augusta. That's, that's like one of the worst in this field, especially amongst these favorites. But, you know, I think his, his recent form is enough for me to, to back him. He's 35 to one at FanDuel. That's, that's pretty strong. Uh, I bet him uh, as he was kind of making a run at Houston, fell back a little, finished T7. That's kind of what he's done um recently and he's fourth in my model he's first in birdies or better game so he kind of does everything well um and he's a really good putter so i do like hatton and it, you know tony fino we gotta have the tony fino discussion he's gonna be someone who's gonna be so popular in dfs uh, two showings at augusta t5 t10 seven top tens in majors in his past 10 starts just incredible consistency obviously you know it's the winning upside is that there so um, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to back him outright, but, you know, I'm going to have a piece of him, whether it's a top 10 bet, uh, the top 20 after the first round, which, you know, Chris and I love that bet from uh, DraftKings. So, um, you know, the Fino intrigue is definitely there and it's kind of tough to talk me out of that. Yeah, I would endorse betting him in, in every every way you can except to win. So like you said, top five, top 10, top 20 <laughs> after round one, top 20. I'm sure that's like not even I'm sure it's like even money or just minus 110. Bet Finau in every way imaginable except to win. Absolutely. Uh, Day, a little risky for me. I know he's in that range, too. The guy I'm looking at is Cantley. I think Cantley is the best value play at, at the top of the board here. He's 28 to one. I got him on DraftKings. I know you said he's probably 25 to one and a couple other spots remember he was 12 under on the 16th tee last year he needed one birdie on the last three holes and he would have been in a playoff with tiger he goes on to bogey 16 and 17 at 16 we saw tiger you know guys funneling it to that uh, whole location if canley hit a better iron shot he's easily at 13 under at day's end so love canley at 28 to 1 a bunch of those dave tyndall stats i said i was going to uh, write mm -hmm. down because he's all in on canley because of these these trends Seven of the last eight Masters winners did not play the Houston Open, so that could eliminate Brooks and DJ. Ten of the last ten were not world number one. That eliminates DJ. Eight of the last ten Masters winners were 16 to one or higher to win starting mm -hmm. price. So kind of all signs point to Cantley uh, for the last 10-year trend. So I love Cantley this week. Obviously, finished eighth at Shriners, won the Zozo, gained strokes in every major area at the Zozo. I think it's, uh, I think it's a Cantley week for me. I think, um, you know, the, the day stuff's really interesting, right? I mean, on, on paper, 
it looks a lot worse than it was. You know, he was in contention at, I think it was CJ cup. He was in the top 10. He withdrew on Sunday morning. So it looks a lot worse. Unfortunately, if you're betting it now, you kind of miss the boat. That, that number moved a lot uh, with his, with his run in Houston last week, you could have got him at a much, at a much better price, you know, even a couple of days ago, I, I'm still interested in Bubba, you know, 33 to one is where I snatched him up. He's been phenomenal from T to green. He gained 11 strokes from T to green at the U S hmm. open at the CJ cup, nearly eight from T to green at Zozo. And like, listen, the putters, it's bad. It's ugly. It's terrible. Um, but my, my friend and colleague, Mark Immelman, who knows a thing or two about Augusta national, he told me Augusta national is receptive to a defensive putter, a guy that just wants to trickle it over the edge, right? Mm. That's, that's not Ricky Fowler who runs it three and a half feet by, and he's cool with the comebacker Bubba, just like he wants to die it in the cup. Uh, you know, we've got plenty of history around, you know, left-handed players disproportionately winning at Augusta national, obviously two, two titles for, for Bubba himself. I just, it just feels like we're trending in that direction. He's getting to a Bubba track, uh, you know, where he's, where he's got multiple victories. I just, I just, I could see him slipping on that green jacket one more time. Wow. Bubba. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's popped up a few times this year. You're right. If the odds are good, I'm actually surprised some places, I mean, he's down to 28 to one. I mean, he's, you know, he's not one of the favorites, but he's definitely in that next yeah. level. And so, you know, these odds makers, they're not, they're no dummies. They're not going to let you uh, steal Bubba Watson for 40 to one or anything. So um, he, he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. Um, all right. A guy we haven't talked about yet. We have to talk about him. I mean, cause he's in this next area as well. And, and, and we can get back to other guys you, you want to talk about, of course, as well. Um, Tiger Woods it has fallen from, you know, I, I don't know. At some point he was 25 to one and he went to 35. I'm seeing 37 here. I've seen 40 to one. We've had this discussion a few times recently. Is there a point, and I'll start with you, Rick. Is there a point where it just gets too tempting to not take him? I mean, he is, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm wearing my 2019 hat. He is the defending champ of the masters. I know it seems like it was 10 years ago, but you know, is there a point, Rick, where you consider Tiger Woods or maybe you are considering it? There, there is a point, but we're nowhere near it yet. Right. Wow. I think, yeah. I think we're so far away from it. I mean, listen, I, I love Tiger. I'll be sprinting around the house on Sunday night. If he, if he pulls yeah. this thing off, right. I'll be absolutely <laughs> thrilled to lose my money on this, but I'm just kind of yeah. looking, I'm looking for evidence, right? 2020 has been a really bad year for Tiger Woods. You look at what he was doing in his eight events leading up to the 2019 masters. He was gaining strokes in every single category. He was was, he was in phenomenal shape this yeah. year, the eight events leading up to it. He's losing strokes in three of the four categories. He's basically two shots per round worse uh, oh. in that eight period in that eight event stretch from 2019 to 2020. I mean, there's just little evidence outside of throwing a dart that Tiger Woods is actually going to contend this week. Yeah. I mean, I think Ben Raza put it well on your, uh, the Pat Mayo show that you guys were on earlier in the week I there, there's like almost as likely a chance that he misses the cut than he finishes top 10 or top 20. And actually those odds he missed the cut or plus 200. Um, you know, if you're a fan of tiger, that's tough to actually get behind, but you know, maybe there's a little value plus 200 for him to miss the cut. Uh, like Rick said, just, you know, a mountain of evidence against him repeating as a champion and, uh, even if it gets up, he's 45 to one right now at DraftKings, even if it gets up to 50, uh, it's kind of tough to see him winning again. I think he could do it in a couple of years when his all around games in a little better shape, but not right now. 
I think uh, the cut, the missed cut is even uh, more attractive with uh, what, what Myers wrote this morning about the cut getting even smaller. And, you know, if Tiger, look, if he plays like he's been playing, he's going to be way, way behind. He's not even going to be within 10 shots. So I hate to say it, but that is probably the way to bet Tiger this week is Tiger to miss the cut. Wow, Tiger missed the cut. This is so. You should have said you're not saving that for your spicy nugs. Your no, I've got a way better spicy nugs. <laughs> it isn't even bold. It, that's what's no. so sad about this. I yeah, know you exactly. You mentioned the cut, and by the way, I mean, we were doing this Monday at a, you know about one o'clock, but by noon today on Monday, this is Monday of Masters Week. Well, we already had the craze of Bryson come in and the 200 ball speed and everything else. But we have a new honorary starter beginning next year and Lee Elder. He'll tee it up with Nicholas and player. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, we have a new cut rule. The Masters has very rarely changed their cut rule, but they have now, instead of top 15 ties, plus anyone within 10 of the lead making the 36-hole cut, it's only top 15 ties. So that that would have eliminated nine extra people last year. So, it, you know, it might not make a difference, but it could make a huge difference. Um, and then something else crazy happened. Oh, Sergio Garcia. Uh, mm-hmm. withdrawals with, with uh, COVID. He's the second player now. Uh, Joaquin Neiman being the first. I don't think any one of us, well, maybe. I mean, Sergio did just win, you know, the Sanderson Farm. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like he was coming in completely off the radar like he he had been the past couple of years. So just my point is just, uh, you know, everything is changing. You know, we talk about the weather potentially changing by the minute. The news is just changing by the minute here at Augusta National. Um, it, it's crazy. All right. Well, yeah, Tiger Woods, though, I agree. Um, even I don't think I'm, I'm backing him uh, at, at this point. Uh, but Rick, I, by the way, I like hearing Rick, you say that uh, you'd be rooting for him, even if it cost you money, because last year I did win a little money on Tiger, but I had bets on Xander. I think I had Xander 30 to one. I had, it was unbelievable. I had the whole board except for Molinari. I had Xander Brooks and uh, Cantley. I had Cantley at 80 to one. Wow. And I was rooting yeah. against him. I was yeah. like, Miss, 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 because we all wanted Tiger to win, obviously. It's, so it's the Tiger the effect, man. I mean, yeah, it, when he when he gets in contention and I get, you know, the, all the warm and fuzzies and the goosebumps and all that stuff, I don't care about the bank account anymore. I'm all right. in, baby. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, let's get let's go a little further down or, or Steve or Chris, Rick, anybody else in that mid tier or we can get into the, the low guys. If you have a really off the board thing and you want that to be your bold prediction your spicy nug of the week make sure make it clear that that's what it is but we don't have to get to that just yet but but that anybody else that uh you're targeting um this week i'll, I'll start i feel like webb simpson at 40 to 1 yes. is an insane yeah. number you're your wake forest guy um insane. we've we've seen him seen him at majors 20 25 to 1 now it's drifted all the way to 40 because i guess he hasn't played so well in the last couple weeks but um, you know, his all around game is so good that 40 to one, I feel like there's a little value there. Um, I yep. also think Matt Wolf is worth discussing, you know, he's making his debut at the masters. We know all the stats against the debutantes, um, at Augusta, but look at his first two, you know, career major starts a T four at the PGA and a second place at Wingfoot at the U S open. And he also tends to play well when Bryson DeChambeau plays well. So, you know, I think, He's at least worth considering. He's 45 to one at some books. And, you know, just consider the history with Wolf. He's the first player uh, since Ned Cosgrove at the 1880 and 1881 Open Championship to finish fourth or better 
in his first two major starts. That's a good stat from uh, Justin Ray. So I think, you know, if someone as a debutante can make a little bit of history, I think Wolf's worth considering maybe like a first round leader bet. Um, I don't know how spicy that is, but 33 to one is an interesting number. He could just pile up birdies and bunches. His driving distance is insane. Um, and I, I think he's a better putter on faster surfaces. So Matt Wolf's an interesting number at 45 to one. So, so Steve's dancing around kind of one of my spicy nugs here, which is <laughs> that uh, I think a first timer wins this. Uh, I, wow. I think there, I think there are um, a, a lot of factors. Uh, first of all, the game, the young guys who are first timers this year are phenomenal, right? You're talking like Morikawa Wolf, Scotty Scheffler's. I mean, they're just legitimate PGA tour players who have matured so quickly that right there, I wouldn't be shocked to see one of them win. But then you look at, um, Augusta national in November versus April, you know, these guys uh, who are, who are veterans have years and years of uh, the way that the course is going to play built up into their heads. Now, if it's different in November, maybe it's not all that different, but no patrons out there. It's just going to be weird for a lot of the guys. Uh, first timers don't know any better, right? They're yeah. going to step on the grounds. They're going to be like, wow, okay, this is, this is what it is. I've never experienced anything else. I think you can make a case that this year of all years would allow a first, you know, the first debutante since what fuzzy Zeller, 1979. That's yeah. the thing you're going to hear all year, all, all week long. Uh, it, it feels like this week of all weeks is, is time for it to come through. Yeah. That's um, the no patrons thing. You're right. I forget who was talking about it, uh, but it was a veteran player. I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. It might've been Phil. It might've been tiger, but they were saying how the no fans thing may, may have helped Morikawa just not having people breathing down your neck on, on the 16th tee when you've got a one shot lead to win a major, that's a, that's a huge advantage for a guy like Wolf and Morikawa. So I actually at first figured uh, no chance a first timer, but that that's a pretty good case. I am looking at a, a veteran Louis Ustazen and Myers is going to roll his eyes because Ustazen is, killed him time and time again at he's the, killed, at the yeah. he's killed. 60 to one uh based off of his majors history that's that's a great number third at wing foot he's got five top 25s at augusta national including the the runner-up that myers got burned by his last 38 starts in majors he's finished in the top 20 15 times so hmm. um just just a great major player maybe top five i did hit him top five at wing foot maybe that's how you play him but I, i'm also going to bet him to win which I mean, he's the goat of runner-up, so probably going to get daggered again. But whatever, Usti this week, I like him. Interesting. Um, Rick stole my. That was going to be my spicy nug, the rookie. I, I, so I guess I'm going to have to think of something in the next few minutes. Speaking of rookies, <laughs> uh, on uh, SportsBettingDime.com, I have some props here. Uh, Morikawa is the favorite uh, to finish uh, as low Masters rookie, six to one, followed by Matthew Wolf, seven to one, Scotty Scheffler, nine to one. Sung JM 11 to one and Coke rack 11 to one. So as, as Rick was saying, I mean, this is not your normal uh, typical batch of, of masters rookies. These are some, some serious guys, obviously a major champ. And then a guy who, who nearly won his first two majors as a pro in Matthew Wolf. So uh, pretty good, good stuff there. Um, who, who else, by the way, while I have these props open, I just want to throw it. It's pretty, I don't know how anyone would ever confirm these, but they have a bet on, um, okay, you can confirm if, if Gary Player and Jack Nicholas hit the fairway with their opening, the ceremonial first drive. And I guess they're still going to do that even without the fans. But they have the distances that they're going to hit. Over under, Jack is not going to be happy about this. Uh, his over under is 209.5 yards. Wow. 
And Gary Player, 215.5. So GP, 85-year-old, five years older. Uh, we know he can poke it past him, but he's a Better heavy shape favorite. Than us. Heavy favorite. But we also know it's going to be soaking wet. So, I mean, True. that's a good poke up that hill <laughs> on one. How are uh, they going to verify this? Uh, yeah. I have no idea because I've been there and I've seen it. And they hit those tee shots. And I'm telling you, before you can even like look out there to see where the balls are, someone is like snuck out of the woods and plucked <laughs> the ball. And it's, oh, it's like, it, it's well, I the, feel like on TV, just based off memory, you don't see, they don't show you where it lands. No, they don't show you at all. Never have. Inten- intentionally, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, intentionally. They're not trying to embarrass these guys. I know. But of course, Gary Player takes it so seriously. And that's why, you know, Jack, Jack was definitely a little frustrated one year when GP kept like, uh, you know, knocking him. Um, imagine, imagine if we get the uh, the shot tracker, like the shot tracer, on oh it, and they give us like the exit velocity <laughs> from behind. You know, because they just show that behind shot. Just give us that. Right. Yeah. That's up. Give us the carry. Well, I'll do right, it. Right, right, right. Oh, there's another interesting one here too. Longest drive of the week. Of course, Bryson is the favorite, four to one. Um, but you get, you know, Cameron Champ, uh, eight to one. He really is a longer hitter. But to your point, Rick, he's more of a, a low driving guy. So maybe. Yeah. Maybe Bryson with that carry ends up winning. Anyway, there's a lot. Obviously, it's the Masters is kind of you know golf Super Bowl, so there's a lot, a lot of bets out there. Um, all right, let's get to some long shots here. Uh, Rick already gave his spicy nug as as a, a you know a debutante winner, but uh, everybody give me like a, a really big long shot they like this week, and and maybe you know give your spicy nug as well. Yeah, I like Lee Westwood. Um, oh come on. Come on. Well, Wiley was all over that last week. I've been sitting on that too. We all likely was. Yeah. Of course. It's not too spicy because he's played so well, you know, coming into it, especially on the European tour. Um, and missed the cut last week. I, I'm not deterred by that. A hundred to one. Um, that, that's pretty strong. Uh, you know, maybe more of a first round leader, um, top five, top 10 bet. He's plus five fifty to finish top 10. I, I do like that. I think there's Definitely some value. Lee Westwood still pokes it out there. Um, his all-around game is pretty solid still. So I do like him 100 to 1. Um, and then I do like uh, Shane Lowry 80 to 1. That, that's kind of drifted a bit because um, he played well in Houston. You could have got him at 100 to 1 before the week. But 80 to 1, you know, he just won the, the – he's the defending Open champion, uh, champion golfer of the year. So for those – for that number, um, based on how he's playing, I, I think that has some value. I'll go a little deeper. Um, I think Sebastian Munoz could contend too. 200 to one. That's just an insane number for how well he's Whoa. been playing. Um, back that up 10 top 10 top 20. Um, I, I kind of like that too. The, the Munoz stuff is pretty, is pretty cool. He's one of the few guys that we've gotten uh, like an anecdote. He, he dropped it randomly. Like, Oh yeah, I've played Augusta national in November. And everyone's like, I'm sorry. What, what was that? Tell us more. Tell us more. <laughs> like two like two two or three weeks ago he said that i think that's interesting um i'm kind of hovering around uh jason kokrak at 100 yes. to one right i mean here's a guy here's what i think is so impressive he wins the cj cup which i think is obviously very impressive it's a deep field it's 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 stacked mm-hmm. 
wins for the first time in like 300 starts very easily could have just mailed it in celebrate shows up the next week at Zozo and finishes in 17th. And I'm like, Oh, okay. This is kind of interesting. Now six top 20 finishes in his last seven starts. He is sneaky long guys. Seventh on tour in driving distance last season. I know when we start rattling off bombers, Jason Kokrak never comes up. Uh, he is, he can, he can move it out there quite a bit. So you get a, you get a recent PGA tour winner, in a similar-ish type field uh, at 100 to 1 is, is pretty interesting. Yeah, I like that a lot. Also played very well at Wingfoot sneakily, so got a little yeah. uh, major top 10 experience. Yeah, my spicy note is Lee Westwood wins the Masters and becomes the oldest Masters winner ever in his 84th major start. I think Westy's was last stand. Uh, fifth, yeah, Westy's last stand, part three. Last stand, uh, part two. Uh, everyone's 2020 is the worst 2020 2020 has been really good to Lee Westwood. He's made 16 starts around the world. He's got one win, seven top twenties. He tied for 13th at Wingfoot. This is his first master since 2017. We forget he kind of, uh, struggled a little bit and, you know, all those runner ups, you would think, you know, he'd be in the masters year in year out. And then he's, he's been out for the last two years. So you got to think he'll be highly motivated. You got to think he thinks this could be his, his last chance. It could be his last masters if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't win it or if he doesn't finish in the top 10. So Lee Westwood, 47 years old, he becomes the oldest masters winner this week. I like it. And I'm glad Rick talked about uh, Jason Kokrak too. I, I liked him a uh, hundred to one. I'll, I'll give you my two other spicy nuggets. Ian Poulter to be first round leader, uh, 80 to one at DraftKings. He's someone who has the Augusta history. Uh, he has a, a sixth place finish and a 12th, uh, you know, coming into the masters there. And also his course form, we haven't seen a lot of him, uh, in the last three weeks, but his last three, uh, finishes before that was a 12th, a fifth place and a sixth place. So I think there's a decent, uh, case to be made for Ian Poulter. Um, I do like him 80 to one first round leader. And this is pretty spicy. I could already feel Rick's uh, eyes rolling at me. But Jordan Spieth, top ten at six to one. Yeah, you know his stats have been so bad, uh, and Rick has pointed out how bad he's been. Uh, you know, strokes gain wise since the restart. But we're seeing flashes from him, and he's at Augusta National. This is the course he plays the best at, uh, six to one. I I think that's kind of spicy to be top ten. Uh, I could see it. I could see him just putting it all together, being comfortable at Augusta and, you know, him kind of reemerging, which we're, we're waiting for uh, here at Augusta. I think I need a shot of insulin after hearing that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely spicy. All right. How about this one? We kind of like, we kind of tippy toed around this Bryson missing the cut, right? Mm. I mean, here, here's the, here's the mm. path that Bryson misses the cut. He's going to try to do things no one has ever done before. He's going to try to hit big, high draws over 13. Like, if that goes wrong, he's staring double and triple in the face. Plus, you combine that with the shortened cut right now. Only top 50 in ties can't be saved by the 10-cut rule or 10-shot rule. And then also the fact he's been, like, the worst putter on Augusta National Greens for the last couple of years. Like, there is a path to this going horribly wrong. Like, I think he either, and I think that's what he wants, right? He wants to open up the range of outcomes. He either wants to win by six shots or go out in a fiery blaze on Friday (laughs) afternoon. Like, I don't think it's that unlikely that things go really sour here and he misses the cut. Yeah, it makes another another 10 like he did at Memorial on 15. Just keeps trying to go over the corner at 13. 
his odds to miss the cut are plus 550. So yeah. you know, I can see it. I, I remember on 18 a couple of years ago, he, he was in the lead at one point, yep. made a triple on 18, and that kind of you know deterred his chances there. So I, I kind of like that. That's that's the value. He almost has as the odds are comparable for him to win or miss the cut. That's that's right. pretty crazy. That is crazy. Uh, Speed, I mean, you know, Speed, he had that, he started off last week and it's just the same thing over and over with him. It's crazy. Um, I guess my spicy nug, um, I'm not going to say he's going to win, but maybe a top 10. And and a year ago, this would have been the least spicy thing ever. Francesco Molinari came out of nowhere. He has barely played this year. Um, He finishes T15 quietly at Houston. He was the guy who was in complete control of this golf tournament last year, obviously until the 12th hole when he inexplicably uh, dumped it in the water. And then he had that really bad break on 15 when he clipped the, the pine, you know, and dropped and made another double. And he still was in the mix. He is at up to 120 to one to win. I'm seeing here on DraftKings uh, seven and a half to one top 10, 16 to one top five. So I kind of like him. He's coming way in underrated. I mean, again, this is a guy who's a top five player in the world, um, you know, after he won, what, the Open Championship and then nearly won the Masters. So that's my spicy nug. Francesco Molinari uh, coming back and, uh, and making some noise. How about that? No, um, it, all right. That, that is the quietest t- T15 in history, I think. I didn't even realize. Right. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I had to look it up just now. I knew he played. I was like, well, what'd he do? Oh, T15? <laughs> Not bad. I mean, again, you know, we've been talking about Brooks. We've been talking about Dustin playing so well there. So they, they kind of stole the show. Um, but yeah. And by the way, we're none of us are betting on Sam Burns this week because he's not in the tournament. Um, so, you know, we're not going to waste our money again this week. And, and you mentioned Bryson. We keep, you know, he's he's obviously switching to this 48-inch driver. And now, by the way, Phil Mickelson says he's, he's doing the same thing. <laughs> uh, none of us are betting him. Yeah, me, me too. I'll also hit a 48-inch driver. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, yeah, I mean – it's 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 laughable so uh no it's it's a big uh, risk that bryson's running for sure especially you win the u.s open and then your first inclination is to change your driver i mean the guy is absolutely a lunatic but hey it's 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 working out for him so far all right let's get into dfs stuff rick you are our, our top expert here um you do a column every week for us where you run down the different tiers um, so, you know, you don't have to give us the whole thing, but, uh, maybe give us a few highlights going through some of these tiers, um, the way you break it down, how you look at it this week. Yeah. So transitioning from, you know, outrights from betting, there's a couple different wrinkles you have to kind of consider in the DFS world. Like the fact that this pricing came out before the Houston open, right? So it it locks in, it doesn't change. So you're looking at Dustin Johnson, who is now either the co-favorite or has the second shortest odds uh, to win this golf tournament outright, but he's like the fifth most expensive golfer on the slate. He's an even $10,000 on DraftKings. Mm. He's 11,800 on FanDuel. He's a bit more expensive on FanDuel relative to the rest of the field but like that that's you know built-in value right that is uh, immediately he has value built into him it's going to come at a a fairly significant ownership you're not going to be the only person who thinks it uh but that's one of the first things that pops off into my mind and the other the other big thing we can talk about individual players or whatever um is is really the scoring system right the scoring system on these fantasy sites uh it, it benefits guys who make birdie bogey birdie bogey instead of four straight pars right? You, you want right. a more volatile golfer. You right. want guys that can outperform their finishing position with 
you know, fantasy points, which is like Scotty Scheffler, you know, Scotty Scheffler, $7,800. He is capable of making a ton of birdies. He can slip an Eagle in there every once in a while. You know, he bookended his two rounds in Houston. Uh, I think he went 67, 65 on Thursday, Sunday, the middle two rounds were bad, but like that, that's okay. He can outperform where he's actually going to end up on the leaderboard by, by racking up the birds. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, all right. So, yeah. So, so, Give us maybe what you break it down into how many different tiers, three, four tiers. Give us your, your top four, give us your top guy in each of the four tiers. So here here are the four tiers. It's, it's high upside, safest option, most likely to disappoint and pick to win, man. So this is tough. Okay. So let's, let's do this. I want to, I'll give you a high upside guy from the 6,900 and below range, which is Siwoo Kim. Um, I, I actually kind of compared Siwoo and this is, don't, don't kill me for this, uh, to, to Justin Thomas. And if you look at since the restart, uh, these Siwoo is basically just a, a less talented version of, of Justin Thomas. They both have been hitting their irons well. They both have a great around the green game. Siwoo, obviously much more volatile, but that's why he fits into the high upside category. Um, I'll give you a most likely to disappoint. Um, I hate this one. I hope this doesn't come true. Ricky Fowler in the, in the 8,000 to 9,000. So here, yeah. So here's what happens. You know, you, we've never, so, so millionaire makers or, or, or big time majors, they bring in a lot of casual fans. And we've also never had a masters during the football season. So think about all these casual football guys who are like, I, I know things about golf. Let me get some lineups in there. Right. I know Ricky Fowler. He's cool. And he is cool. And I had a chance to talk with him a couple of days ago. And like, <laughs> even he wasn't all that like, confident in his game which i was like Ricky, come on dude like you gotta <laughs> give me you gotta give me something here but we we know he's been dealing with the the swing changes he's he's put a new putter in the bag in the last couple of weeks i i i know he's played well here in the past and he's got good vibes i just uh the rebuilding I, year he's having a rebuilding year he's having a rebuilding year so hopefully <laughs> hopefully he'll be back on track next time around i'll give you a safest option from the nine thousand dollar range uh rory mcelroy so so like you have to put this into perspective uh, Rory McIlroy is playing bad by his own standards. Yes. That is still very good compared to the rest of the PGA tour. And it's really his iron game that has been a bit pedestrian, right? I mean, he's just basically tour average since the restart on approach, but he's still been able to not knock out a few top 15 finishes along the way. And he has that built-in floor, right? I mean, if, if he can flip the switch and figure it out, he could win this golf tournament, but he at least has that floor because of the rest of his game is so sharp. And then what do I owe you? I owe you a pick to win. Oh boy. Um, I don't want to, okay. Well, I talked about that one already. Oh, we talked about all these. I'll give you, so my pick to win from the, what range didn't I do yet? Seven to 8,000, uh, was Jason Kokrak. You know, he's a flat, okay. he's yeah. a flat 7,000. We talked about, uh, the, the win at, at CJ cup, the way he followed it up at, at Zozo. And just the fact that he is, he'll, he'll never be one of the guys you rattle off as a bomber, but he certainly is. It's a, he's a first timer. We've debunked that for this, this go around already. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a weird combination where, you know, Kokrak could find himself on the first page of the leaderboard. Yeah. You got Kokrak, you got Siwoo who are, you know, low price guys. And, you know, you could kind of build your lineup and start with those guys and then add whatever, you know, higher price guys that you like. I think someone you talked about in the column is Justin Rose. I think he's another guy who the casual sports fans going to say, you know, Justin Rose plays so well, at Augusta, he's only 7,700 on DraftKings. You know, that's another staple. But talk about why you don't really like him this week. 
Yeah, the, the problem I have with Rose is, is that a lot of it is that, Steve, where it's like, oh, you know, he's finished second here like two or three times. Or I mean, he's just always lurking. And I know his name and I know he's solid, but he's been all over the place. And, and his results have been sporadic, but not only his results, it's like how he's doing it. One week he'll have fire irons. The next week he can't find them, but he's putting okay. And then the driver's back, but the next week he doesn't have it. I mean, it's just, it's whack-a-mole right now, right? He's constantly trying to plug leaks everywhere and that scares me right when you when he's trying to figure everything out uh that's a little bit worrisome so for me j row uh and as much as i love him probably not going to get much of an investment for me yeah and one other pivot i thought was interesting was cam smith in this range he's only 7300 DraftKings, and you know look at his both recent form and form at augusta he finished fifth 2018 t4th the zozo 11th place at the CJ cup. He's been consistent. And again, not a long hitter, but I think the consistency, you know, you need people to make the cut in these DraftKings FanDuel contests. So I thought that was a really good call. Um, you know, I hit a top 10 on him recently. Yeah. I'm liking Cam Smith. Ten, I mean, 10 straight cuts, right? I mean, he, he finds a way to make the weekend, which you got to get a little more than that in a field, you know, when 50 guys get through and there's only what 93 in the field. Now you got to, you got to get more than a, than a cut made, but uh, his last two starts have been his best two 11th at, at CJ fourth at Zozo. And if it is wet, a little bit sloppy, think back to January, Sony open was a little bit wet, was a little bit sloppy. It was not Hawaii weather, especially on Sunday. Cam Smith comes out on top. I mean, this is, it's a really interesting situation for him. And, um, and, and you nailed it. I mean, you don't have to be all that long around Augusta national. If you can, if you can roll the rock. Well, one guy I'll give you um, playing well, played well at Shriners should be inspired after Carlos Ortiz's victory this past weekend, 7,400 Abraham answer thoughts mm. on him this week. Another first timer. Yeah. So it, he, he, what I love about Abe answer is the dude's a competitor, right? Like you go, go back and look at some of his best finishes and they're in WGCs. They're mm -hmm. in like, I mean, the guy just right. figures out a way to get himself in the top 15 or the top 10 of these events. He's he, he has, um, I don't want to say it's a more narrow path, but what I like about him is he's, he's super, I don't know if this is a compliment or not, but like he doesn't do anything great but he does everything pretty good. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but he basically gained strokes in almost every category in this young season. I mean, he's, he's been, he's been really solid and yeah, I mean, we saw what he can do at the president's cup, right? Get, get geared up, start rocking and rolling and, and see if he can make enough birdies to, to contend in this thing. Uh, Chris or Steve, did you have anybody that you, that's different than who you're, you know, looking at for bets for, for fantasy that you wanted to point out or. Well, a, a couple of guys that I tease the, the bet that Christopher and I love on DraftKings is the top 20 after round one. So I think right. it kind of correlates to DraftKings too. Um, a couple of those bets I like are Kevin Kisner, uh, plus 300, top 20 after round one. You know, again, just like Rick said, you don't have to be the longest hitter. That definitely plays into uh, Kevin Kisner's strength. Um, you know, he, he's a Augusta guy, or a South Carolina guy, Aiken, Georgia, or Aiken, South Carolina. Um I think plus 300 is interesting. I also think Lee Westwood, we talked about him, plus 250. Uh, I like that bet too. And Ian Poulter, I, you know, I talked about why I like him, first round leader. You could back that up with a plus 275 uh, top 20 after round one. So I, I think those are decent bets. I think if you want if you want two locks for top 20 after round one, it's Fino plus 164 and Scheffler's plus 200. I think those mm. guys are – basically always in the top 20 after Thursday. So I, I think they'll come out firing. Uh, 
I like Brendan Todd leader after round one. I know he's kind of come back to uh, come back to uh, earth here, but uh, 90 to one, he was very good. I think he was fifth on tour last year in first round scoring. We saw him get off to a decent start at Wingfoot, So that's a good number. I like answer 66 to one first round leader as well. I love Kisner top 10, top 20, top 20 after round one. Uh, Adam Scott and Justin Rose would be my top 10 bets. That's for the full tournament. So, uh, and then top twenties overall tournament. Uh, I like Charles. I like my guy, Bezayden Hote, who I'm addicted to Steve knows. And then uh, Danny Willett is plus 600 to finish inside the top 20. He got off to a good start in Bermuda and I think he kind of faded, but uh, back at the masters weather should be kind of similar to that Sunday when he, when he won. So Willett's mm-hmm. plus 600 to finish in the top 20. You know, what's really sneaky about those like first round leader ones is we're getting split tees this year. So mm-hmm. you could, you could look at the, I think you want to go off number one uh, because I don't think you want to get to like 11, 12, 13 <laughs> immediately. I think you want yeah. to ease into it a little bit. Yeah. Right. So, so you could look at as tea times come out or as the, yeah. And, and you see what teas everybody's starting on, you know, that Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon off of number one could be a group of guys that I think is pretty interesting. It's a great point. That's actually using your brain. Good job, Rick. <laughs> That's <laughs> why we have sharp guys yes, on besides us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Last thing. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you because I think you maybe already gave this, but if one pick to win, regardless of odds or whatever, I, you, Chris, I think you are in the Patrick Cantley boat. I'm uh, firmly Dave Tyndall's trends yeah, uh, right. suckered me in, but also just 28 to one, I think is, is crazy for a guy that just won for a guy that has shown, I would say just as much as Xander uh, in these, these major, obviously major uh, Xander has a few more top fives, but Canley at, at double his odds. I think Xander's 14 to one. Canley's 28. I would, I would take Canley there every day and twice on Sunday. So hmm. I'll go uh, Canley all in on Canley. And then maybe uh, Brooks Kepka will be my other uh, big bet. Okay. Steve. Yeah. I'll stick with Rom. Um, I, yeah, I think there's a, a little value there, not too much, but I just think, you know, he's been so close at Augusta in the past and, you know, he's kind of trending that way. Could have won at Sherwood. Um, and you know has that Augusta history, so tough to talk me out of Rom. And I'll I'll take Justin Thomas. I mean, you're, what you're going to hear this week is uh, for four straight years or three straight years, he's improved his finishing position at Augusta National, culminating in a in a 12th place finish last year. I'm more just in line with what he's been doing since the restart leads this field in strokes gained approach leads it in strokes gained around the green. It's a rare combination. Um, it's one that if he just, just give me like a, a slightly warm putter JT and you can wrap this thing up. Let's go. Right. Wow. And, and as we learned from Xander, uh, Patrick Cantley, a shark at the, yes. So uh, yeah, look out for him. Silent I think killer. Gonna, I, 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 these names, everybody's making such a good case. And I, again, I already bet on Brooks. Uh, but it was more because I got a good number at 20. Um, you know, I'd like to say Xander. Um, I, I I never pick Rory, but God, it just feels like this could be the chance for him with the, the different conditions in November. But I think I'm going to go with Steve's too. I think John Rahm, he's, he's just a guy I keep picking um, this, you know, for the Masters every year uh, until he wins. So we'll see. Uh, anyway, it should be exciting. I know we're all very excited about it. Rick, thanks for joining us, obviously. Uh, thanks again to Xander Shoffley, who maybe we'll see if he's slipping on a green jacket next week for joining us as well. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. Also, check out this week's Local Knowledge, if I may. It's uh, all about the Masters, the humble 
the surprisingly humble beginnings of the Masters. Uh, thanks to our producer, Greg Gottfried. Thanks again for listening. Uh, and please check back next week. Hopefully, uh, if one of us wins big, maybe we'll, we'll have to get a green jacket, slip it on ourselves. So, uh, we'll like see. It. All right. See you guys next week. <laughs>